Welcome to the Out of Focus podcast. This is a podcast about photography, the art world, and the visual creative world and all that surrounds it. In this episode, I talked to Greg Steele, a lawyer here in South Carolina, and we discuss antitrust, what to do about these giant companies that own all of the information that we see day to day, like Facebook, Google, and Apple, and Twitter. And he gives us some insights on the world of legal advertising. And uh, in the spirit of rebelling against these giant corporations that run everything and uh, I want you to sign up for my email list. So go sign up for my email newsletter. I send it out every Wednesday. I put promotions in there, thoughts, other tidbits, episodes of this podcast. I try to jam-pack each week with valuable things that get served up to your inbox every Wednesday morning. So go sign up for that. It's on willmalone.com. Just click the newsletter tab and just type your email address in, and that's all there is to it. It's pretty easy. Um you know, Facebook and Instagram went down last week for a whole day. I mean, can you imagine? And I couldn't post a photo that day, and that was it was it was bad. And uh, you know what? What am I to do? So, you know, the bigger I can build this email list, the less held hostage I am by Facebook as a corporation, because I can still communicate with you. So, uh, while yes, they control the roads. I'm slowly building my own road in secret, very slowly. And, you know, most people don't check their email. Most people have a special spam email that they, you know, sign up for newsletters with, but I don't care. I want want the resource. I want to be able to communicate with you guys. I want to be able to send you stuff, send you deals. And, uh, yeah, it's... uh, it's all good. Um, I just, I enjoy making the newsletter. It's fun. So uh, go sign up for that. Wimalone.com. And uh, now let's, uh, let's just get, on to, get on with it, shall we? Let's just get on with the show. All right. Enjoy. This is the Out of Focus podcast with your host, Will Malone. And today I have... Uh, chief legal analyst for the out of focus podcast greg Steele, because we want to talk about antitrust so uh greg tell us tell us a bit about yourself before we jump right in okay so first i have to give my disclaimer i feel like that's the perfect lawyer guest uh (laughs) start to uh a podcast um my day job is i'm a lawyer with south carolina legal services uh it's a the statewide organization that provides civil legal help to low-income individuals, but I am here not uh, in any capacity related to that job. Um, I What I say on this podcast does not represent any views of South Carolina Legal Services or anybody in it, uh, and what I'm saying today is not legal advice. I feel like that's one of the things that lawyers say all the time that you would think would be pretty clear if you're just like talking that that's not legal advice, but everyone seems to think that whenever a lawyer opens their mouth, anything they say can be legal advice. Well, you have to pass them a $10 bill, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. You don't see me passing the $10 bill. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Just, yeah. yeah. And now, now we're, we're good. Yeah. Total confidentiality. (laughs) (laughs) Like that's just how it works. Yeah. Even though this will be broadcast to the entire, for the entire world to, to see, this is also confidential just between me and you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. So I wanted to talk to you because, um, 
I've had this topic kind of rattling around in my head for a while, and I mentioned it to you a little bit, which was made worse by last week. So basically, I want to talk about, so like, this is a podcast, um, just to preface this for new people, this is a podcast about um, the photography world, the art world, the, you know, world of visual arts, and that, maybe the business surrounding it, just anything related or anything that affects it. And one thing that's been really big for me lately as I run my business is the social media thing. And I feel like most people have this um, discussion about social media as far as like, is it good? Is it bad? Um, Is it, you know, healthy for us as a society? And I'm not really going down that road. I want to go down the road of (laughs) with So the internet, uh, when I was, 13 or 14 and I was like really starting to like you know I was hanging out on game facts and you know uh pirating music and all that kind of stuff uh which I wasn't doing I'm just saying like that was a thing you could do back then you know uh but um you know doing that kind of stuff the internet was kind of like wild west you know there was there was nobody owned it nobody you know YouTube was barely a thing um I think it was before Google even owned YouTube um and so all these all these little nasty looking sites were all doing something and it all looked terrible, but it was kind of crazy and new and fun. MySpace, yeah, MySpace. Everybody, I read an article yesterday uh, about how millions of songs have been lost because MySpace is gone. Like so many, it's like so much music, it, like hours of music has disappeared off the face of the earth because MySpace is gone. Um, But yeah, Friendster, all that stuff. So it was the Wild West. Nobody owned it. You know, if a a site went down, who cared? But now we have these major companies like Twitter, Facebook, and Google. Um, And some people throw Apple in there as kind of a monopoly, but I don't really think of Apple as that way because everything they do other than like build pretty phones kind of sucks like <laughs> so <laughs> so like you know i'm i'm a heavy apple user because i'm i'm held hostage i have a gun to my head uh with their ecosystem but like their software and their like s- cloud services and all that stuff is pretty terrible um i tend to use google for everything but yeah so google facebook and twitter um kind of run run the game and and now spotify uh which bought the podcasting hosting service i use and Gimlet Media. I don't know if you know Gimlet Media. Yeah, I'm, I love a lot of Gimlet stuff. Okay. I was like big news for me when I was like, oh my goodness, Spotify's buying out Gimlet. Which seemed exciting. And then you realize, oh wait, now podcasting is going to be this centralized thing too. So basically the issue I want to bring to you is um, like last week we had the Facebook outage, which means mm-hmm. Facebook and all their related services, WhatsApp and Instagram and all that went down. And if you're like a lot of people, you invest all of your marketing dollars into Facebook and Instagram. So what happens when it goes down? You lose all that money and then half the Internet's useless. It's that's bad, right? I mean, yeah, I I think it's bad. And I I think I mean, there's there's a host of issues that you get into. So can Facebook and Twitter and all these sites be liable for uh, your loss of business. And that, and that's yeah. a whole nother thing right. that would probably not be very interesting to your listeners, would be very interesting to some plaintiff's lawyers out yeah. in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I don't know. I just made up <laughs> Tulsa. Um, but uh, there there is this centralization of, um, of kind of speech and internet speech. And when we yeah. kind of talked before the podcast, and you framed it almost like 
free speech. And I think that's the way a lot of people yeah. think about it. Yeah. And they think about it, well, what what are your First Amendment rights? But then as we were talking, I said it really kind of goes into antitrust because we have these monstrous internet companies mm-hmm. that just kind of control everything. Um, and and it's basically a, almost a functional monopoly at this point. Right, yeah, for sure. Um, and, and you had the idea of monopoly way back, like late mm-hmm. 1800s, early 1900s, John D. Rockefeller, Standard Oil, you had Cornelius Vanderbilt, and the railroads, Andrew Carnegie, and the steel business. And around that time, everyone was like, ooh, monopolies are pretty bad. So you started having these antitrust laws come into shape and form and pass Congress and and get signed. And they were the idea behind it was to break up these huge companies, uh, Standard Oil, American Steel, these, these companies that had basically... Competition was good for a while, but when they controlled all of it, then all of a sudden they control everything. Yeah. Um, but those laws were designed also for companies like Standard Oil and Steel, where you're taking raw materials right. Right. and you're refining them and turning them into a product that you're selling people. They weren't anticipated for these giant controllers of information like Facebook and YouTube yeah. And Twitter, where all of a sudden you have this content creation and people are putting their thoughts and their ideas and all of a sudden that's being able to be monetized. That wasn't really something that was incredibly monetized outside maybe the academic field or authors or writers or or something like that. So then, then you get into this weird ground where you can't really apply any of the old antitrust law from the early 1900s to these modern companies and it's just allowed them to grow into these huge monsters. Um people can argue about whether they're good or bad monsters, which they do all the time, but still they're, I mean, they are the controllers of internet information, which, um, I think is, uh, bad for multiple reasons. As far as like, say, you know, you're Alex Jones off of everything. It's like, number one, it's like, you know, I don't love Alex Jones. I don't think he's, does real good things for society, you know, whatever you feel about Alex Jones, I think it's still kind of jacked up that it was revealed that if he's taken off Instagram, Facebook and Apple's like podcasting service and everything, like where does he go? Because the fact is nobody's typing in URLs to go directly to websites anymore. That's, that's what we used to do. You'd go to www.whatever.com to check out your favorite sites. And now you get everything served to you. And, you know, no one in a billion, like my, my direct traffic to my website is almost nothing. Facebook though, it's like, I mean, it's like 300 to zero, 300 to one easy. I mean, it's crazy. Um, and when Facebook went down that day, I went to go see my traffic and see what happened and it just cratered Mm. like gone, you know? Um, and you know, I mean, it's, it's like, what do you do when, and Amazon. Amazon runs the web servers for most websites mm-hmm. even. So if Amazon servers go down, my website may even go down if if Squarespace is using those servers. So it's like we're at a point where Amazon's huge, Facebook's huge, Google's huge, you know, YouTube has people have their careers on it. Right. But they're so intertwined and they all have so many different little businesses that are all put together that like how do you even begin to break that up? And, 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 and that's what a company wants. They want to be a monopoly at right. the end of the day, just logically. Like, you want to get as big as humanly possible, and you want to run the game. You don't want mm-hmm. competition, really, deep down. You want to just be the man, you know? 
you want to be the chief drug dealer. You know? Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. And I, I think there's not a real clear answer right now. I think um, from, again, this is not the area that I'm the most familiar with in my legal career, but I mean, it's, it's something that's on the front end of, of a lot of lawyers too. I mean, mm-hmm. lawyer sites, traffic is driven. Lawyers are advertising on Facebook yeah. and posting the uh, Texas law hawk, uh, became famous through YouTube videos and runs a very mm-hmm. successful DUI and personal injury practice out in Texas from YouTube videos he made yeah. um, that went viral. So uh, I th- I think really what it, f- at least from my perspective, what it's going to take is it's going to be either uh, Congress coming in and, and updating those monopoly laws to try to... Um, take on some of these new ways that monopolies are being formed. Of course, mm-hmm. as in the early 1900s, there's going to be a lot of money and effort through lobbying efforts poured into that not happening yeah. um, from some very wealthy companies. Um, or you might start seeing some judges try to um, apply some of those, stretch some of these early 1900 laws to apply mm-hmm. to these new uh, companies. I haven't. I haven't seen in my limited field. Again, I, I don't follow this anti the antitrust area of the law, like with wrapped interest. I just kind of notice it when it comes across a news story or something like that. But I, I could see a, a very aggressive judge wanting to do that. But yeah. you also have a lot of judges who are also said, you know, the law is supposed to be applied as written. It's not meant to be stretched. It's not meant to. Uh, kind of morph with time. That's why you need Congress to pass new laws. So that could also stagnate things. I think right now there really hasn't been a lot of movement. It's we've just we've had some congressional hearings. We've had you know they brought Google in, they brought Facebook in. Um, yeah, no, none of the congressmen know what they're yeah, talking about. That like was the, the questions they ask are painful. Oh yeah, the, the, if if you haven't seen the <laughs> clips of the questioning of the CEO of Google and Mark Zuckerberg, oh. you, you need to go and like watch some of the questions. these like octogenarian senators are asking <laughs> just, about their phones. It just, it makes you, it makes you be like, well, I, I don't trust Congress to come up with any good regulation for this either. Then, you know, I mean, well, like what do you, uh, where do you come down on the net neutrality thing? Cause isn't that kind of, partially a response to it i mean it is and it isn't i guess but yeah i think it is my, my understanding again and i feel like i qualify so much and this probably comes from my profession because <laughs> yeah. you never want to like pretend like you're you have knowledge yeah. that you don't have um no define your term i like that precision so, precision yeah. yeah precision qual- a lot of qualification a lot of precision um but from my understanding of net neutrality yeah. it's focused particularly on providers so providers can't throttle services okay. or provide so one of the infographics that was kind of spread around around the time was, okay, well, maybe Charter, our local internet provider, uh, all of a sudden charges $25 a month if you want access to email and certain websites, and then $50 if you want Netflix streaming, and maybe 80 or or $100 if you want unlimited web access. That okay. was my understanding of net neutrality. No, yeah, I think you're right. Um, and, and I think that yeah. that is an important thing. I mean, yeah. you really don't have a voice. If you have the majority of Americans who only check email, only paying for the email package and yeah. a few news sites, then, I mean, that that compounds the problem you're talking about. Well, it's like cable. I mean, that's how you pay for cable, essentially. Yeah. Um, so, I, uh, I and I guess I think about, too, like, um, the, like, for instance, like with my phone, you know, I, I pay 
for unlimited data. Mm-hmm. Yet I really only have like 20 gigs because it throttles and becomes yeah. so useless after, you know, after I hit that, a certain amount that it's not like not really unlimited. Right. And it's just, you know, it kind of stinks that they can do that, you know, because that's yeah. literally false advertising <laughs> to some extent, you know. Um, but as, as I understand it, and maybe maybe I'm I'm wrong on this, but I've from what I know is like the, the things like Facebook and Google um, are regulated by like a telecommunications act as opposed like they're treated more as like a phone and like a, a communication device rather than like media companies. But since they kind of run how we see news and all that kind of stuff, they obviously function as more than simply a communication platform. So, like, yeah. it's, like, super gray. Yeah, absolutely. And that that's kind of, like, I think gray is the operable term when you're discussing any of this stuff. Because, I mean, you you sure Facebook, obviously, in the beginning, Mark Zuckerberg is a really smart guy mm-hmm. and had a plan to make, the company profitable but when people first signed up for facebook i mean you didn't really have a lot of facebook advertising you started having some banner ads on the side i remember when those well, they had to collect in. all our data so they could then <laughs> you know i mean seriously like we handed them our name phone number addresses like interests so they could target ads exactly and, yeah. I, and I think that wasn't no one was really thinking about that when facebook first started i know when i signed up and when all my friends signed up no one was thinking about, oh man, is my privacy being protected? Are they going to use this data that they have? It was just like, oh, this is a fun thing that you can throw a sheep at your a virtual sheep at your friend. Um, <laughs> poke but, them. Yeah, poke them. That yeah. really, I'm really showing my age here. Um, <laughs> Isn't that sad? Like that's how yeah, long it's been. Like, yeah. Oh man, <laughs> it has been a long time. That you can't poke people anymore. I don't think it's probably for the best. Yeah, I, I think you can do a weird poke like thing on messenger. Okay. <laughs> uh, because someone I think did that to me and was like, Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. Yeah. I was like, that, that's fine. But <laughs> this is just, we- anyway, yeah. we do, we're digressing into the world <laughs> of pokes. Exactly. At this point. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, I, I think that no one understood at the beginning, the, the capacity that Facebook and Twitter and Google had to not just be helpful, um, but also to, to use that data for, for harm. Um, and I, there was, there was, um, maybe it was a planet money podcast by NPR that talked about, um, free use of Google maps, right? So there is, there is something that's greatly beneficial about Google Maps. You can pull out your phone and get anywhere you want to go. And yeah. you don't even have to pay for that. I remember when the original Garmin GPS came out, you know, you were paying $200 to get this GPS that you would have to manually yeah. re-upload maps like four <laughs> times a year or even once a year. 100 bucks for an update. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And all that's free on a phone now, but the cost you're paying is your data. So it's, it's like what... At some point, you're either going to have to start charging people to use these services and stop collecting data mm-hmm. and selling it, um, or you're going to have to continue selling data and not charge. And and that people get yeah. like to get really angry about selling data. And I think for very good reasons, privacy yeah. concerns are important. But it's also like at at some point, then the service needs to 
still make money somehow or at least break even somehow well and it's it's crazy to me that a company like facebook can have like nine scandals a week yeah i feel like i feel like there's a new story that i just don't even notice them almost anymore and it's it's kind of crazy to think that a company like that can still be untouched by anybody like no one's no one's bringing down the hammer you know we've got presidential candidates who are talking about wanting to break them up but they they don't even they, they don't even really understand what these companies even do right like for instance like google it's like okay how would you how would this is one thing i was listening uh to somebody talk about this the other day it's like okay so say you were to break up a company Mm -hmm. like google how would you break up google because they've almost arranged themselves to where you literally can't break them up like they've planned for this they've got this parent company alphabet that runs everything now now and then like search for instance Right. Well, search is embedded in all of their other companies. YouTube, everything they do has search in it. Um, you've got, you know, vid- YouTube is like part of their search thing. Right. I mean, you've got like everything, it cross-pollinates with each other, and it's all so embedded. So say, yeah, you split Google up into, you know, a search company, a video company. You like split them up like that. Like, wh- what do you do? I mean, you can't really do that. Yeah. And when it's an intangible thing, how do you even manage to pull that off? You know, I I don't, I like, I just don't see how this ends. Yeah. And I don't think anyone else has a really great vision of that either. No, no, I know. Seriously. Uh, sorry. My, my dog is like really upset that we're podcasting right now. I don't, I really don't know why we we've, we've had, uh, Kevin interrupt podcast before, okay. so it's all good. So to switch gears a little bit here. I uh, so you use Facebook, like I noticed, like you actually try to have like actual discussions on <laughs> Facebook, which I always see, and I'm like, man, good for him, but uh, more, you know, more power to him. But like, I just uh, why, like, like what, what is, what is it about Facebook? Because like, it's just very rare to see people try to have like intelligent discussions mm-hmm. on there, and I, and you've you've done it for a while like you you actually like ask people like real questions well, I'm and honored. Like, get a get a like a debate going or whatever but it, it's it seems to stay pretty civil generally just i think that's just part of it. like you're not you don't have the nature of like somebody who's like going out to attack people so like what is it about facebook and stuff like like what is it you see valuable in something like that i i really see two things that are valuable in facebook one is the kind of again almost trite keeping up with old friends like yeah i mean it we have all of a sudden this power to stay up to date on the lives of thousands of people we've met across years and years of our life across various geographies um and kind of know what they're doing and have an entry point if we run into them in Mm -hmm. person again um and that's been really cool as I've moved back to I've like you I've moved to Anderson recently I grew up here so I have a lot of friends I've, I've been able to keep up with some on Facebook and I ran into a guy downtown the other day I was like oh man I haven't seen you since elementary school and I was like yeah you're with B93.7 the local station right <laughs> and, and he's that, yeah. yeah and he was like oh yeah and I've been doing this yeah. sort of thing and and it has a point of entry and I really like that um and the other thing I I think that could be harnessed valuably for Facebook as a medium, but that just 
isn't, and part of what I'm trying to do by having discussions, is it again, allows you to tap in to this huge range of opinions, huge range of thoughts, mm -hmm. tap into people who are smarter than you, maybe have more expertise than you on a topic, and really get valuable yeah. perspectives. And I think not many people try to do that. I really yeah. only post either informational things that I think will be helpful, like if like I've posted a lot of Salvation Army stuff in Anderson regarding like it, when it gets down cold and they say right. we want to have housing for people because I think that's stuff mm -hmm. people need to know. And again, Facebook's a great platform for getting that news out. And then also for issues that I think I do have an informed opinion on and that I think I have something valuable to say to someone else. Yeah. Um, and I, and I want to be able to say that. And I, and I think if done correctly, I've had people say things that have been valuable and changed my perspective through Facebook. And I hope that I've done the same for others, but that's also very rare. It takes thousands upon thousands yeah. of hours to get like five minutes of that. Right. Well, and, and most people's, uh, most people have decided to take the, I guess, app, apathetic approach and mm -hmm. just be like I'm bailing you know like yeah. that's but I I like I tend to like for me I'm usually I usually push against that approach because the, the answer of just like you know backing off it's like well I think it's clear from our earlier discussion that like they're not going anywhere yeah like I mean the fact is is like even if they get broken up to some degree like none of these are going anywhere this is like this is what we do now you know and we just I mean we're like I don't know uh, how long into Facebook, 2007. So mm -hmm. we're, we're like 12 years in. Uh, yeah. And so it's still pretty early, but like for me, it's like, you know, without social media, I, I want to take like a positive turn here. It's like without social media, I don't think I'd be doing what I'd be doing right now. <laughs> I mean, straight up, like yeah. I, how, like how would I have shown people photos to the extent that I've showed them? How would I have just like, like got like, this mm -hmm. right now like yeah I, I love doing podcasts because number one I love to talk but I'm also kind of like just curious about things and I just want to talk to people and this is like a way to do that yeah how would I have done this otherwise you know um other than like setting up like back in the day like windows media player you could record <laughs> something on like a crappy mic and you know put it on a disc and hand it to somebody you know right. but it's just so all these things are good things I think and I think just because there are bad things too, like with everything. I don't know if the answer is to just bail. Um, for some people, yeah, it's better. I mean, mm -hmm. it's not always healthy to jump into a Twitter argument about oh, absolutely. whatever. I mean, um, but I guess, I guess uh, I just, you know, wonder, uh, other than just the friendship connectivity aspect, I mean, you know, like, w why don't we like glean some positives out of it? Um, as far as, you know, I mean, all we do is talk about bad news all day long, right. I mean, but it's obviously brought good things. It's created jobs, all that stuff. So, um, now one, th now question to you. So what, what would you, if, if you got to decide the fate of, of this centralization of like what, how the internet would be arranged, what, what would you do? That's a really hard question because yeah. I, I just, <laughs> I, I don't. And that I feel like that's the classic pundit answer. No, that's a yeah. really hard question. That's a really good question. But it's really, I, I joke a lot about I, I try not to think about things above my pay grade. And, and, I, and that's not completely true. I do try yeah. to think conceptually about some things. 
but I am so embroiled in Facebook. I don't have a Twitter. I've been on and off Twitter, but I've, I'm so embroiled in Instagram and Facebook mm-hmm. and YouTube that it's kind of like hard to imagine what a world would look like without those things yeah. or what even a scaled back version of those things would do. Um, people talked about trying to regulate it more like a utility. Um, those, those companies of themselves tried to, as, as you noted with Alex Jones, start saying, yeah. well, we're going to censor some views that we think are harmful. We, we mm-hmm. want to be a positive place, a helpful place. And then you get into people who like follow those people saying, well, in fact, you're really the bad guy. So it's, I feel like we've kind of hit a breaking point as far as they, they can either stay as big as they are and continue yeah. on the path or, or someone who really understands this issue or a group, most likely a group of people who really understands these issues and how to break up these companies would need to sit down and come up with a plan. And I know I'm kind of punting the question, but it's hard. Yeah. It's so hard. They are such a big thing and such a huge part of our lives that it's nearly impossible to imagine like, what would it look like to break up Facebook into yeah. various parts? Yeah, and I'm usually for like less government intervention, especially when um, you know the people in the government don't even know like <laughs> who who owns their iPhone, like what company made that. You know, like one of the congressmen was like, um, you know, my daughter spent too much on this app on her phone, and it like crashed her phone. Like, can you fix this? And he's like, Sir, I am Google. I work for Google, not Apple. Like, that's an iPhone. Like, it was just it was just like super painful. You know. Yeah. So it's like. I don't want that, but then I think about the idea of how we use these things. And it's gotten to the point where it is almost utility-esque. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, that's, like, right now you could argue it's it's not working as far yeah. as just privately on its own. And as they kind of take cartel justice on whoever, <laughs> whoever they want to get rid of. I mean, it, you never know. I mean, like, um, for instance, like... Uh, Joe Rogan, he does a mm-hmm. podcast and he talked to Jack Dorsey of Twitter mm-hmm. and has and has these inflammatory conversations with people, including Alex Jones. Him and Alex mm-hmm. Jones are friends and he thinks Alex Jones is a whack job, but brings him on the podcast. It's like, what if because he associated with Alex Jones, they decided to take him off of YouTube and everything where his audience is and Apple podcasts and all that stuff and just annihilated his career because mm-hmm. they could all do that. Yeah. I mean, they decided to get rid of Alex Jones like in a day. It was mm-hmm. like... Within 24 hours, first it was like Twitter, then it was YouTube, then Apple took them off podcasts, then, I mean, it was like all the same day. Mm. So, just This is a total side note about Alex Jones, and I'm totally interrupting your (laughs) train of thought, but if your listeners have not seen, and I don't know if they took this off Facebook when they wiped Alex Jones, but there was a, a... a Facebook group or production company called super deluxe. And they did a cut of Alex Jones saying stuff with his video. But instead of him saying stuff, they sang all his words in the style of a Bonavere song. <laughs> and it is like one of the greatest speaking of YouTube and yeah. viral videos. And, and I'll have to this put sort that in the show notes. That'd be yeah. I'll, su- I'll super stick- deluxe Alex Jones <laughs> okay, Bonavere song. I'll stick the link in there. Um, but yeah, so I mean, of course, like we're not going to solve issues on this podcast. Yeah. I guess um, I know very little about, um, you know, how you go about even dealing with it legally. 
Mm -hmm. um, and I know that you're kind of invested in just the experience of Facebook. So I figured you'd be just a good person to even like bounce things off of as far as this goes. But. Absolutely. And I'm happy to talk, but it's kind of like even people in the legal field who specialize <laughs> yeah. in this thing are like, we don't know what to do with it. Like it's so new. That's yeah. the issue. Like, nope. Like these companies are companies that exist. Like no other companies ever existed right. before. Nobody knows they. it's like, because it's intangible, it's not a real service. It's not a phone line. It's yeah. not, it's like, wh what do you do with yeah. it? It does so many things, you know? And, and that's the thing that also makes it tricky. You know, sure, there's Messenger and WhatsApp styles that it's like a utility, but also you're talking about with utilities, part of how they regulate utilities is they break them up into regional areas so you can operate <laughs> yeah. in region and they like cap how much you can raise utility rates. Well, no one's paying anything for Facebook or YouTube or so yeah. how do you regulate that? And again, it, that just illustrates the problem. And I feel like we've talked a lot about the problems. And yeah. the problem, right? One of the additional problems, in addition to all these things, is just that there isn't a great answer right now. Well, and uh, I've so like from what I've at least read about our antitrust or you know policy as far as breaking up monopolies, it's heavily dependent on pricing. Yeah, yeah, and you don't pay for Facebook. Right. So like, what do you do <laughs> if, if they're not, you know, charging us more because they're the only game in town, like, what are you doing? Right. Exactly. So, I mean, they're just selling your data, but then that's not, and there's you're not paying anything. The only way to combat it is to get off of it, but yeah. it makes me money. I mean, like right. putting Facebook ads on there, like makes me money. And when yeah. it, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like, you know, I wasn't freaking out that it was down. I mean, it was kind of nice because I got to just not think about it for a day. <laughs> yeah. But, like, I will say, like, it did kind of like, okay, well, um, glad I don't have an ad running today because that would have, like, been, you know, 50 bucks down the pooper. I right. mean, seriously. And I know they've, they've apparently, like, refunded people or talked mm -hmm. about refunding people and stuff, but it's just the fact that that much went down. I remember a couple years ago, no, maybe it was while I was in college, Amazon Web Services went down, mm. which took down most websites, right. including Netflix, including... I mean, it's crazy how much that affected and because they got attacked by like some denial of service attack. And so it's like, okay, so Amazon... I'm almost, Actually, if you think about it, Amazon with Amazon Web Services is almost crazier because oh, yeah. you don't have Netflix. You know, you don't have all this stuff that you use. So it's, I don't know. It's, um, I don't think it's good. Um, but I think, I guess as far as it goes, it's like, are we just going to either let this run its course and just decide that they bring more good things than bad things? Cause like, we're really just talking about the possibility of like, mm -hmm. what if this happened? What if this happened? You know, I don't think Facebook's going to ban me. I'm nobody, you know? <laughs> um, so like, uh, but you know, if, if they did, what would I do? Right. Um, yeah. So I, I guess for me right now, my my big kick right now, my little form of rebellion is I'm just rebuilding my email list mm. um, because I, I really do think that's super valuable. I know a lot of people have their email that they just throw all their junk mail into. Right. But to just have that outside of any of these services, to have like a, essentially an address book, you know? Yeah. I think that is pretty important. I think I think it just shows how we all need, like, especially people like me, need to diversify their distribution and contact points because you just never know. Um, and so that's been like really, I just don't want to. Re I I I rely on Facebook to some extent, but I want to not have to rely on Facebook, f you know, 
as much as honestly I do, but that's just cause it works. I mean, that's why I use it. I mean, it, <laughs> and what, what you're talking about is something that I, I really, an area that I do have a little more knowledge about is legal advertising just cause legal advertising is something that's fascinating to me. A lot of lawyers think lawyer advertising is really cheesy. You know, mm-hmm. you have oh, giant yeah. billboards and awful radio commercials and TV commercials. Um, but kind of the new wave of using things like Facebook to mm-hmm. advertise, as a lawyer is, is fascinating to me. So I've read several blogs on the topic and, and kept up with several over the mm-hmm. years. And one of the things they talked about was exactly what you're talking about now about building email lists is mm-hmm. using Facebook to drive traffic, but then building your email list yeah. to be able to send out law firm uh, e-blasts or, or have an email gateway to a certain guide. So like, a guide to divorce and maybe you're a divorce yeah. attorney. And then when someone plugs in the email, you can send a follow-up email that says something like, Hey, I saw you downloaded this guide. We represent people in divorces. If you want more information, here's some contact information. So it sounds like what you're doing is yeah. kind of best practices across multiple fields, photography, law, whatever. Yeah. Well, that's interesting that you say that. So this, this, uh, why, so I've never lived in a place like Anderson that wh- why what's with all of the lawyer commercials here? I mean, there are a ton. I mean, no je- like I know there are a ton everywhere, but here there seems to be more m- more cheesy lawyer commercials, I think. And maybe it's because Greenville is nearby too, but like I feel like I see more lawyer commercials here than I ever have anywhere before. Like five in a row. You'll watch five in a row. Like if you're watching TV. You, you've definitely never lived in Atlanta. Atlanta's got it worse. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, Fair. I also haven't had cable for years, but I, I mean, it's just, <laughs> <laughs> but it's just, I don't know. I was just struck. I mean, and they've got, they're, they're also well branded. Like I, oh, I yeah. remember them all. Oh yeah, I know. You can name every single yeah. one from every billboard yeah, right now. Yeah, they do a great job. Like, as far as name ID goes, but and I think that that goes into a little bit of kind of the legal profession as a whole and business models. Um, yeah. That's become if particularly if you're personal injury car wreck attorney, um, you can make if if you have a lot of money to invest up front in the thousands, sometimes millions of dollars a month in billboards and TV ads. That rate of return is actually pretty great. Um, really? So I, I assume they work because they've been yeah essentially unchanged for a while. And, and they do. And that, I mean, you get a certain kind of client. Right. Yeah. Um, that's not meant as a derogatory thing or anything. You like you. That's people who you, watch TV. So, right. You yeah. know. You know what market you're getting, but that's also a market that you can often make a lot of money on those car wreck cases on. Um, so. Again, it's. I think that really drives that kind of legal advertising, um, but that's also still a really old model. Um, I think there's better ways, particularly with Facebook, Google, the all this data that they're collecting on us to t- yeah. target specific people <laughs> yeah. who might be interested in your specific type yeah. of service. I mean, from my understanding of Facebook ads, you could target someone who listed their relationship status is separated, has mm-hmm. a kid in their profile picture, is 35 and an engineer, and say, yeah. he would probably pay me a lot of money in a custody battle. You can target by I'm, income, yeah, too. I'm, yeah. yeah. Inco- so I'm going to target that guy for my... Yeah. And, and show him this blog post that I've written specifically on child custody 
and and how to how to win child custody from my lawyer website. You know, th- those are kind of the new to me. That's the new realm and the new direction that lawyers can move in lawyer advertising. That that are that is fascinating to me. Uh, and I think the old model, and I think it's somewhere in between because I don't think. Again, lawyers tend to be similar to those senators at the hearing, yeah. not to malign my profession, but they tend to be pretty staid in their ways, pretty slow and resistant to change. Um, so it's a way to kind of advertise without getting the reputation of, oh, he's that guy that runs those awful TV commercials, or he's that guy <laughs> that I drive by every day on the way to work. Yeah. So wait, so you say you're like interested in lawyer advertising. Is there like a community around this whole world? Oh yeah! Oh, like, absolutely. Because there has to be self awareness that they're cheesy, right? Um, yeah, I, I think they know that they're cheesy, and I think they know though that they that it it makes money. Um, yeah. So it's that that's kind of what drives that. And then there's a host of kind of younger lawyers who are thinking both about what the practice of law is going to look like um, with fiercer competition, with consolidation among some of the larger firms, with with people coming in. I mean, all these lawyers that you hear here mm-hmm. also have practices across the state of South Carolina. They have offices all across the state. Yeah. Two of the main ones are actually headquartered in Charleston. Um, wow. and just happen to have local offices up here. And they just pour a ton of money in advertising. Yes. Yeah. Down and down there in Charleston and up here and in Columbia and by the everywhere. So I, I think that's, that's kind of an older model and you have to have a lot of capital to pour in up front. Right. Um, but there's also new ways to think about what what does advertising look like, and that's kind of what you're doing with your photography business too. Like, yeah. what does it look like to market myself as a photographer right now with yeah. the tools that I have versus like, I guess taking out bridal magazine ads in print like yeah. you probably did way back in the day. Yeah, and that's that's the issue is like none of that stuff really for especially for me is like you know. I, I always wondered is like part of me wanted to like try and do a TV commercial just to, just to like because nobody no photographer does that. However, it's the people it's the clients you get from doing that that it's like yeah you know like I like if there's a certain kind of client that works for me, I have to figure out how to advertise to that specific client. Right. Um, and you know yeah if you want to catch all the people that watch TV and never heard of Netflix before then. <laughs> You know, you're, I mean, seriously, like you're going to do this cheesy commercials if they work. Cause to us, you know, I mean, at least to me, I can speak as not a lawyer freely that I see those commercials. I'm like, I just can't comprehend how anyone calls that number. You know, like I just, it just doesn't, but then I watch, you know, I don't know if you've seen better call Saul. I have, I really need to, I've been putting it off cause I said I need to watch breaking bad first and I've never gotten around oh, to breaking so bad. You never watched breaking bad. Okay. And then I was like, well, I can't start better call Saul first before breaking the, bad. he's like part of the show is his showmanship in making these lawyer ads. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's so good because he knows like he, he would take a shot in front of an American flag of him like putting his hand on his heart, but he's like in an elementary school and he just has the camera tilted up. So it shows the American flag blowing in the wind behind him. And he just knew like that win him hearts and minds instantly. And it did, it gets him a bunch of clients because he knows the like lawyer showmanship thing. Um, 
you know, I don't know if you've seen that commercial it ran during the Super Bowl a few years ago from that Georgia lawyer. Oh man, uh, with the, where, the uh, sledgehammer. Yeah, and the f- he was like a vigilante who's like, you know, like my brother was killed, you know, by the mob <laughs> or something, and so yeah. I, I'm fighting for the little guy, and he like has like the metal guitar right thing. I need to put this in the show notes too, but it's yeah. just, it's just unreal, and it's just. Yeah, how's that all going to change? You know, I mean, because because I mean, that clientele is not going to be around forever, and that's not going to, you know, what's going to work on me when I'm sixty? You know, yeah. I mean, who knows? Like how how okay? Like you have a law practice right okay. now. Imagine. Okay. Um, I don't want to get you in trouble. You're not no, planning I'm just, this. You're yes, just, I'm not. No, no, I have no plans. <laughs> leave my current employment. I. Um, uh, this is a totally hypothetical yeah. s- situation. Other than like you, you, ta- you said Facebook targeting, you would target people or whatever. What what would you do as somebody? You're, you're around my age, so like what 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 would you do to target? Like what content would you create in order to to grab people? The common thing that that everyone talks about and that really works is a legal blog. Um, and I mean that that's something that everyone is really catching on to right now. Blogging, like in the what legal. about the like what do you write about? And, and people get really specialized. So okay. it would be, and you can kind of have either outward focused blogs mm-hmm. or lateral focused blogs. So you you might be a really great family practitioner, family law practitioner. I'm just again trying to think of a very common area of practice, uh, and. And you might break down the new law that the South Carolina um, legislature just passed regarding adoption. Yeah. That it, that breaking it down might be very complicated. Might not get you many adoption clients. But also, as other people are reading your blog, other lawyers. If there's a lawyer in Greenville who doesn't do adoptions in Charleston, and you're in Charleston, that lawyer then might say, "Okay, I'm going to send that person to him because he's he's really." He has great legal knowledge about adoption. Hmm. And then you have very like out consumer focused blog posts that kind of break down the complicated nature of things. So it's what are the what are the requirements to get custody of your kid in South Carolina? And explain that in very simple terms rather than yeah. you know, hmm. footnoting every single statute and using every every technical legal term, say, you know, what does it mean in plain English? to a non-lawyer, what are some basic tips on what you need to be doing if you want custody of your kid? That would be a legal blog that's outward focused. And and a lot of people are also talking now into kind of the vlogging video, um, <laughs> short, short video. Yeah, yeah. Not really vlogging. I was about to vlogging say. is, I, I, and I know that you tried the <laughs> vlogging thing for a while. We don't talk about this, I, but yeah, yes. <laughs> but, but and, and it's not really vlogging. Yeah. It's more like yeah. short minute or two clips where you boil it down even even more. I just imagine a lawyer just, with like a GoPro like in the courtroom, <laughs> you know, just like, hey guys, like about to bust someone for murder, you know, or something. I don't know. I, I do have, I have a friend from law school who's, he's a small solo personal injury practitioner mm-hmm. in Barnwell, South Carolina, tiny little town. And he really has taken like the whole like kind of story brand thing to heart. Yeah. And he, he's very active on Instagram stories. He'll be like on my way to court today. Like, what what do you guys think about this tie? I have like this hearing today. Is it yeah. gonna like bring me luck or not? And and he'll do giveaways through that too. So I mean, again, I think I think those are tapping into those new to bring it full circle. Those new technologies like Twitter, like Facebook, yeah. like Instagram, to build a consumer base 
um, for when all of a sudden when you need a lawyer, all of a sudden if if you have mm. if you've seen five Instagram posts about ah oh, this fun lawyer who's going in and out of court, oh man, I need a lawyer. Yeah, yeah. like he he's I follow him on Instagram. I sh- I should probably call him. I think that's gonna become more of the way we connect people to lawyers than the old school, which was if you needed a divorce lawyer, you asked your friend who might've known a friend who got divorced who might tell you that they had so-and-so who did an outstanding job. Yeah. Um, or you got their business card from a friend of a friend of a friend. It's interesting. Cause like, I, I, I feel like I've always delved into like the constant social media posts. I've really pulled back a lot. Like I don't do it as much as I used to by far. And I, I feel like it, almost has hurt me and I've been asked before especially by people of an older generation like why I waste my time like how's this blog post going to make me money or how's posting an Instagram story going to make me money and at the end of the day it's like yeah that thing itself directly will not make me money but it kind of builds a Mm long-term audience of people who I mean people buy from who they like so if they like watching your videos chances are you're going to be the guy that they buy from so that's just interesting that you say about the blog post thing because that's that's something I've always, even when I was like uh, just a wee lad on Blogspot, I, <laughs> I would blog my photography stuff all the time. Mm. And that always got me more traction than anything else. And I would even, it's kind of like this podcast, I would talk about photography adjacent things. Mm. And you get people from different, yeah. uh, mixing the, like you said, the internal talking to other photographers and then the consumer facing one, which right. is talking to people who would buy photography. It's, it's, uh, it's kind of a, it's a, it's a lot more work and time and effort really. But at the end of the day, I think that it, it kind of builds a faith in your audience, you know, and it's also there's a, you can maintain a quality to it that isn't just cheesy Mm -hmm. commercials. I think we just expect more depth in marketing nowadays and, and we don't want to be sold things constantly. Yeah. And, and it gives you that depth, you know, all, because all of a sudden if you have, a blog post or a photo and you want to run it on a Facebook ad, all of a sudden you have kind of evergreen content that's going to drive traffic to the website and hopefully drive business to you, um, with photography or, or law, um, at that point, uh, and using those targeting features that all this data that they've mined to, to get your, your product or your service in front of the very people who, are going to want to purchase that is Mm -hmm. one of the powerful tools of Facebook advertising. I think there's a generation of people that just accept like you're going to be sold to all the time by people. And that's Mm. just a fact of life. And then I think there's our generation that we, we don't want to be sold to constantly. We want to choose to be sold to like (laughs) we, we want to feel like we made the decision. Right. And so when you follow a lawyer who posts fun videos about stuff, when you actually need legal advice, you you choose him, right. you know? He didn't sell to you. You chose him. So it like makes me feel like it's my idea. Yeah. But really, he's been slowly, you know, digging into my mind, you know, over time. So it's kind of a longer-term game, but I think it I think it yields kind of a just a better and more specific audience cuz you really Absolutely. want a specific audience yep. because you want clients that you don't have to like argue with or have friction with. Who want, who's okay with paying what you charge and right. all that stuff. And so that's the struggle, I guess, infinitely throughout all this stuff. So that's interesting. I've, I've never thought of the advertising part of um, 
being a lawyer with parallels to photography and how that's mm. just like a whole, you know, that doesn't surprise me. There's conversations being held about it, but right. I just imagine a subreddit about this and now <laughs> I want to go find it and just like watch the discussion, you know? I, I'm sure there is. I'm yeah. not a Reddit person. I probably should be a Reddit person. Well, if everyone yeah. is like, well, I read Reddit just like, you know, all the time, like on the toilet and stuff. But it's just <laughs> like, I mean, I, it's just like, if I want to know something like about a specific thing, like, I, I get into a lot of like antique film cameras and stuff mm. and like old expired okay. films. And I, I, I hang out in those communities and on there. And so like, if you like are really interested in obscure stuff, Oh, also bourbon, our bourbon or our whiskey. That's, that's fun too. I, I go on there to find mm. what I need to buy and stuff. So like, you know, stuff like that or, uh, I used to buy clothes based on male fashion advice on Reddit, you know, in college. So I have done that. I had a law school buddy <laughs> who um, there was a blog dappered. Yeah. And he like read dappered. And then there was a Reddit thread that he always sent me to. And that I've, I've found some really great deals on that Reddit thread. Yeah. There's coupons and stuff yeah. on some of them. There's frugal male fashion, you know, frugal male fashion. Yeah, that was it. That's it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you get Gap coupons all the time. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's the internet's great, and it's way yeah. better than it was, you know, when I was in high school, just like cruising, uh, <laughs> dig or whatever, you know, <laughs> like, like it's just it is a lot. And Yahoo Answers, I remember, oh, like every time you googled something, the first link would be a Yahoo Answers about it, and it'd be the most useless information <laughs> ever. Right. But uh, but yeah, I mean, there are a lot of fears with it, but I think at the end of the day, I think it. I think it will make our lives better as far as just the focus on quality and depth and discussion. Who knows? Maybe. I certainly hope so. Yeah. I don't want to talk about like Twitter and that stuff. We're, we're going to pretend Twitter. I, I don't use Twitter that much either, but for obvious, it's just yeah. a cesspool, I feel like. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, I think we'll wrap this up. Anything, Sounds good. Anything you want to say before we wrap up here? Not really. Thanks for having me on. This has been a blast. Okay. I'm, I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, sign up for my newsletter on, on this note. So this was just a long ad for you to sign up for my newsletter. Um, and uh, I'll talk to you next week. Bye.